So we're just we just wrapped up uh, some holiday uh, time. Everybody, did you did you manage Corey to take a little bit of time off? Yeah, actually managed pretty well. Got a little bit of an extended weekend for the first time in. Oh man, I worked retail for a number of years, so for the first time in a long time, I actually had Black Friday off and was on the other side of the lines this year, which was pretty nice. So. I have to tell you, and I love the reference to it being the lines because I have a retail background. When I, as soon as I got out of the military, I fell into retail. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got to tell you, holidays, holidays were miserable. I feel, I, I, yeah. I just, I feel bad for folks who are still working in those holidays, unless they're passionate about it. Mm. I was going to say, I was, I'm probably one of the weird ones that like, I love that moment waiting and seeing people like banging on the doors to like get in. <laughs> You know, and just like just watching, you know, the mass of people flood through the doors. I always I always loved that moment. So I guess there I'm might, one of the odd retail people because I kind of miss that uh, every once in a while. So wait, there might be something wrong with you, Corey. There might be. <laughs> there might be. Not not diagnosed yet or anything, but uh, but do there you, very well might be. Do you think uh, now that you're out of that? And it, I mean, it is a fascinating. I think I did it for maybe five or six years uh, mm -hmm. managing multiple stores. I did enjoy pieces of it, but it's such a stressful season. I mean, now that you're out of it, what's what's your take on uh, doing away with Black Fridays, like completely doing away with those 3 a.m. openings and the, you know all of that thing? How do, how do you feel about that? I mean, I feel like it definitely, again, like I really liked like the whole opening thing, but I also, I worked a few of the years where doors were opening at like seven o'clock in the morning instead. And I much more preferred those to, I mean, I remember one year where I had to go in and start putting all the product out at like two o'clock in the afternoon. So we ate like Thanksgiving dinner, you know, at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I could go to work at two o'clock in the afternoon. And so, so really from like the perspective of the retail, as much as I liked watching the people flood through the doors, I'm really happy that we're kind of pushing towards letting those people have, you know, something other than an 11 a.m. Uh, Thanksgiving lunch. So yeah, yeah, well, for sure. Well, Maybe we'll talk about it a little when we jump in, but I heard on the news recently that uh, something like 70 some odd percent of people who purchased Black Friday and that went into Cyber Monday did it with the um, uh, that that uh, payment system. You see a couple of different payment systems where they delay payment or defer payments, which I thought was kind of a staggering number uh, for, for doing sort of a, I guess it's not layaway because you're, you're getting your product right away, but this, this payment platform, which is sort of an all-time high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something interesting. I mean, as, as an economist and kind of looking at that data, you know, little data points like that are things that we, we get excited about, right? Because that helps us to keep kind of our pulse a little bit on what's going on in the economy. So, you know, especially with inflation and all the things that are going on right now, you see numbers like that and you have to really wonder and you know, it kind of gives you an insight into what's going on in consumers' minds and kind of where they're at in terms of their personal finances right now. So I agree. That's a super interesting number. Yeah. Are they hold are they holding on to their cash or do they not have the cash? I mean, that that's what mm -hmm. sort of came to my mind. Well, uh, let's jump in. We're gonna talk about some stuff in the market. It won't all be Black Friday and Cyber Monday and whatever, but we'll jump right in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Right, here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Oh, 
All right, everybody. I want to welcome you back to the CXR Recruiting Community Podcast. I'm Chris Hoyt. I am your host for today. I'm the president of Career Crossroads. Uh, and this is the show where for about 20 minutes uh, at a time, we talk with folks uh, that we bring in from the recruiting industry or who touch that recruiting industry, whether they be practitioner or leader in that space, or like our guest today, somebody uh, who's sort of behind the scenes and reporting out on that to talk about what's top of mind for them and kind of what they see going on in the space. Now, these podcasts stream anywhere that you listen uh, to your podcast already, uh, and they'll show up. That's, I guess, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. But they'll also show up as we stream them live uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, cxr.works slash podcast. You head out there, you can, of course, see uh, all of the previous episodes. Uh, and now you can, of course, see what's coming up next. We don't do ads on the show. It is a labor of love, uh, but we do promote work that we think makes a difference in the industry and sort of helps recruiting professionals. And one of those I want to call out is a free resource uh, for our members, as well as watchers and listeners here. And that's recruiter, uh, excuse me, recruiting job listings. And you can find those at cxr.works slash jobs. They are updated daily from hundreds of different companies. And as of this morning, I believe we had 191 recruiting jobs. So we're going to encourage you to pass that on at cxr.org slash jobs. I'll do a little walkthrough at the end so we can take a look at those. Uh, but again, if you're stable in your role and you're not impacted by any displacement that's been going on or any disruption uh, you know, at your employer, pass it along. Send it to somebody within the space. Share it on LinkedIn. Let them know there are hundreds of recruiting jobs out at some pretty reputable companies. So with that, we're going to welcome Corey Stahl. He's the economist for Indeed hiring lab to the show. Let's pull him out of the green room. There he is. Corey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. I'm sorry that's not the excitement of a, of a Black Friday crashing down the doors to bring you in. It's, it's the best we've got online. <laughs> hey, pretty close. I, I'm starting to feel pumped up over here. So There we go. All right. So look, Corey, I'm going to add, look, you, you, you were pretty early in your career. I mean, you graduated college, I think right around 2015. You turned around and got a master's uh, in, in market analytics. I was cyber stalking you, of course, uh, about three, <laughs> four years ago. So, so I want to ask you, right, a couple of, couple of things I really want to ask you before we really jump in. One, why an economist, right? And then why an economist for Indeed? And then the next piece of that is, uh, why should we be listening to you as opposed to some grizzled dude who's been around, you know, 30 years in the space, right, and seen some stuff? So, so give us kind of the escalator pitch of, of who is Corey? Why is he passionate about this? And, and why should we be paying attention to you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So just kind of giving a little bit of a, a background, you know, my little escalator pitch here. If you look back, so basically, I started out as just kind of the typical student saying, man, I want to study business, I'm going to go to business school. And part of business school was to then take economics classes. And I had a professor who approached me one day after class and said, Hey, can we convince you to come over to the dark side and uh, study economics. And so I ended up saying, well, you know what? I kind of enjoyed this class. So I've been kind of thinking about it. So I started studying economics, graduated with my degree in economics. And then my first job out of school was actually working as an economist for the state of Utah. And it was a really, really unique. And I think this kind of gets to a little bit of my background and also why you know, your listeners should be listening to me. And it was a unique kind of experience because my role was to look at the data for the state of Utah and look at what was going on in the economy, and then to go out and to work with business leaders and HR professionals, and to really like work on the ground. And, 
you know, I think a lot of times people, you know, are kind of behind the scenes and where they're looking at the, the numbers and they're, you know, going out and talking about them without necessarily hearing the other side and being out there on the ground and being out on the front lines. And so that experience of working as an economist for the state government was a really, really cool experience for me to hear what challenges different businesses were running into, what challenges, you know, HR professionals were, were up against. And so it helped me to really learn how to take the data and to make it applicable to what people were actually doing. Because as economists, we, we sometimes overwhelm people by just talking about graphs and numbers and, you know, let's look at all of these different things. We get too much into the theory and we forget that the whole purpose of the theory is to really apply it to people. Uh, so that's, I guess that's kind of, again, goes towards the first and the third question about why she listened to me and a little bit of my backstory. But the thing that ultimately brought me to Indeed, I had a little bit of a stop. So I worked in state government as an economist, got really heavy into the data stuff and kind of the, the sirens call of data science pulled me into <laughs> finance for a time. You know, you hear all this stuff about data science being the sexiest job of the 21st century. So I ended up going in and uh, building models and kind of working with capital management for a financial firm and realized that wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be. So more recently, I've jumped back working for Indeed uh, as part of the hiring lab, which is a team of economists within Indeed, basically doing what I was talking about taking the numbers and trying to make it applicable to businesses and things. And so, again, that that's kind of my escalator pitch and why people should be listening. Well, I love the passion for data and I love the fact that you've done sort of that boots on the ground piece, Corey, because I mean, in another lifetime, uh, I was doing recruiting in the field and and a lot of times some of the best partners I had were, were state employees who were sort of sharing insights uh, on not just the market, but of course, workforce analytics and, and where we should be going and where we might be building call centers and where, you know, all of that kind of stuff that just was insanely helpful for the work that we did. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much, I mean, I learned really, I took probably a little less of a conventional approach than some of my predecessors had in that role. I really said, you know, I want to get out. And so I worked a lot kind of with the economic development space as well. So I had opportunities to sit around the table and try to attract different businesses uh, by kind of walking through the data and talking about what the labor market looked like. And so it was, it was just a really, really cool experience and something that I still stay close to my boss to this day and talk to him about economics because it just, you know, has really been a kind of a formidable uh, set of years for my career. All right. I like it. Okay. So you've got some field chops on you. So, so let's sort of jump into the work you're doing over at, at Hiring Lab. So now everybody has questions about what's ahead, right? We've got um, budgets that are frozen. We've got travel that's locked down. We're rounding out the year, right? We've got, unfortunately, we've got an incredible amount of layoffs, especially in tech. We have spoken at Career Crossroads. We have brought in at least two economists so far who have said that we should expect a minimal recession, right? A minimal recession. But companies, uh, companies, Corey, don't seem to be behaving that way, right? We're seeing a lot of these scary headlines. 98% of CEOs say there's going to be a huge, you know, recession. And then, yeah, you know, it's conflicting, right? We're getting a lot of conflicting reports. So, so let me ask you, Corey, and your, your expertise uh, what should we know about what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, that's one of the things that every economist wished that they had a crystal ball, right? You know, and really wishes that we knew exactly. But I think based on, you know, what the other economists have said, and I think my my take on that would be very similar, 
that what we've seen is, you know, we're kind of coming out of this time where we had the Great Recession, which was this just almost a once in a lifetime type of terrible type of recession. And then we've had the pandemic. And so I guess part of it, I guess, comes from a, hey, maybe we're due for something a little more mild after having these kind of two rougher recessions. But I think when we look at the overall state, especially within the labor market, what we see is that the labor market is still extremely tight. So it's kind of interesting because we look and we see, especially from Indeed's data, where we had in February of 2020, we had a lot of jobs. The pandemic came along. Some of those jobs you know, were wiped off for a few months. But what we're seeing now is that postings on Indeed are actually not only back to where they were before the recession, but they've actually surpassed it. And they're almost 50% above where they were now. So I, I think that's when economists talk about maybe a little more of a mild recession. What we're seeing is that we have a an economy right now where, like you mentioned, a lot of CEOs and companies are, you know, flaring some red signs. But at the same time, we're seeing this really strong labor market. And when we look historically, the labor market performance is something that just about always lines up with the recession. And so I think that's that's something that we're really watching closely. And that's why the Federal Reserve and a lot of these other kind of the economists you're hearing about in the news are watching, you know, the quits rate and the opening rate and all mm-hmm. this. You hear Jerome Powell talking about all of these different labor market numbers as being the indicators they're watching because it really is a unique kind of economy right now and kind of a tell of two economies we're looking at. So Corey, is it, is it a, is it a kind of a sit and wait? Is it a hunker down and be safe? I mean, our organizations in your opinion, right. Are, are organizations that are locking up travel and and freezing budgets, are they doing the right thing? Or are the organizations who are starting to double down and trying to do the extra hiring now mm-hmm. uh, taking the right approach? Is there a right or wrong uh, sort of stance here with, with regards to recruitment and how that works, in your opinion? That's a great question. And I think, unfortunately, that's something that kind of each company has to answer you know, on their own. Uh, but what we're seeing so far and what we've kind of been looking at recently, we did a report where we took Indeed's data, which mm-hmm. again, were the number one job site. And we joined that up with Glassdoor's data. So there, so you kind of get the Indeed side of things, which is the job postings and the Glassdoor side, which is the reviews that employees leave. And so you get kind of a look as to what job seekers are thinking and like how employees are viewing their employers. And from this report and kind of looking at this data, one of the big things that we really identified and pulled out of this is that we really are in a condition where the labor market is tight right now, like I was talking about, but we also are up against a coming neck, the next couple of decades where the labor market is going to remain very, very tight. And Mm -hmm. so we saw the world bank is actually projecting that kind of the pool of workers, you know, and kind of that prime age working group is actually going to decrease. So we're going to see a drop in the population of the working age population. So you imagine these employers are out looking the labor market's really tight, and now the population is dropping, that's just going to further make things really tight. You know, so again, kind of that question of, you know, should you be freezing? Should you be laying off? What, you know, again, that can be answered by each company. But I would say that in the long term, we need to think about really retaining labor and what we're going to do over the long run to make sure that we're able to attract in this continual tight labor market over the next decade. Yeah, no doubt. And just as a reference for those who are listening who may not be watching, um, we've thrown a link up 
uh, on the screen, you can get it. It's the new economic trends report. And I think it's top five labor market trends for 2023 uh, that, that Corey and the team over there have sort of put together. The, the link is simple as you would guess it. It's hiringlab.org uh, where you can grab that. But, but let me ask you, Corey, as you're talking about the, the reduction in these folks who are going to be in that workforce, is this largely uh, where we've got what is tw some, some 1,200 boomers a day uh, are sort of falling out of that demographic? Uh, is there another piece to this that, that you would sort of add to that? Or is that that's sort of, the, I mean, that's a pretty big number. It's pretty considerable uh, as we look at the knowledge that's going to be leaving that market if, if organizations don't, don't take it seriously. So is, is that the big pitch? Or is there, is there another pivot here that, that's important for us to be aware of? Yeah, I think it's really, it's two-pronged, right? You have to think about the exit point of that population, which you've spoken on, you know, and you have kind of that baby boomer generation leaving the workforce and kind of taking that knowledge. But then we also have a case where, especially over the last several years and the last couple of decades, we've seen a slowdown in the birth rate in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so on the entry point, we also are seeing fewer and fewer people aging into the workforce. So you have more people aging out, fewer people aging in. So the result of that is you have a little bit of a vacuum. And so you end up seeing stuff, like I said, the World Bank, they're projecting that population to drop by 3% between 2026 and 2036. And so it kind of is that double-edged sword, right? Where we have people leaving and we have fewer people coming into the labor market. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. So the short, short tail of that is that we've got boomers leaving the market, the workforce. And then the long tail of that is we don't have enough people making babies. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, and there's obviously, you know, like, and that's a, you know, and that's a thing. And then there's also, you know, you look at the pandemic and another thing that the pandemic did is it also really shut down immigration. Right. And so one of the things we point out in this report is that immigration is a pretty significant part of the United States labor force. You know, we've mm -hmm. actually done some research recently where we looked and we found that about 20% of the U.S. labor force are foreign-born uh, individuals. And so you think about that, that one in five people were born overseas, and then you have a time where you have a few years where the pandemic absolutely shuts down, you know, that immigration and that ability for people to come over. So that certainly is going to have an effect as well. And so going forward, you know, people can make more babies, you know, immigration can kind of account for a little bit of that bottom shortfall or the other thing that, you know, could potentially happen. And this is something that's been covered a lot in the news, you know, is that technology can also fill the gaps, you know, a little more automation can fill some of the mm. gaps in that as well. So, I mean, that's something again to keep, uh, kind of keep our eyes on. And this trend report kind of goes over all of the different areas where we can see employers can potentially mitigate some of the the downfall of this declining population. Well, and Corey, I'm glad you said automation and not AI, because there's a distinct <laughs> difference there. We've covered it a couple of times on the show, but I'm, I'm glad you said that because we have a, about a about 130 heads of talent acquisition within our community. And, we, and we're often talking about, well, what can we automate? You know, what, what work that our folks are, do, what work that they do is redundant. Uh, scheduling often comes up, uh, you know, back and forth, like drip campaigns and communications and matching. So a lot of things that I think are, are out in front. Is that is that the big opportunity that as employers we've got in front of us? Or would you say there's something else maybe we should we should sort of be watching for? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I think immigration is another one to kind of keep our eyes on. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, this report really says that there are a few different ways we can think about this. We can think about it from the perspective of bringing more people in 
businesses can't really do too much in terms of increasing the baby making side of things. And so that's, that's a little no business that we're part of anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No businesses that, you know, we're necessarily promoting, but you know, so as far as that goes, you know, there's immigration, but as far as the things, again, immigration, the birth rate, that tends to be a little more beyond businesses control. So the things that businesses can control more really does come down to the automation. And I would just add that the, automation sometimes gets a little bit of a kind of becomes a little bit of a dirty word, right? It kind of becomes a, well, if we automate, we're losing jobs. Um, but a lot of the cases that we see historically is when we automate, it just creates different types of jobs and different mm -hmm. opportunities. You know, I, I worked as somebody who works a lot with data, you look and you see, we used Excel so much for many years and many people still use Excel, but we also have Python and some other automation tools, yeah. but Excel is still there. But Python and all these programming languages have just ended up, you know, creating more and more opportunities for things like AI, you know, and for things like machine learning. And so, so I would just say the automation doesn't always mean that jobs are being lost. It maybe means you can use your resources in a way that kind of moves and drives growth forward. Uh, the last thing I would maybe mention that businesses can think about as a way to kind of offset this, that they have more control over is, with, is really retention. And within this trends report, we talk a lot about some things businesses should be thinking about to make sure that they're retaining the talent because the talent becomes harder to find because the labor market is tight. And yeah. so when you get that talent, you really want to make sure you're holding on to it. So I, I think prioritizing retention is a really big key going forward for many businesses. Yeah. You know, we've said, Corey, when we went into uh, the pandemic, we had uh, Robin Erickson, uh, Dr. Robin Erickson, who had come in, who's, a, who's been a friend of the community for ages, just brilliant, brilliant analyst. Uh, she had come in and said one of the one of the top couple of things that organizations should be investing in right now, and this is three, almost three years ago, I guess a little over three years ago, was going to be internal mobility, learning and development. Uh, this was one of the things that we just kept hammering home. And I think you're right, 100% orgs who have doubled down on that at a time when, you know, it didn't, it wouldn't have otherwise hit your radar, right, uh, are seeing some dividends uh, begin to come from that. So I think it is about retention and letting that talent have opportunity internally uh, to take advantage of that and sort of shift that talent around within the organization. We saw a couple of companies do it within our membership, uh, absolutely refused to let go of recruiters. When things started going very poorly with the economy uh, and jobs and a lot of organizations forced to lay off hundreds of recruiters just within each organization, uh, they refused and they, they sort of reallocated that talent internally, even if only temporarily, to do other work uh, and sort of bring them back. And I think not only from a brand and reputation perspective, but also uh, financially, a, a strong move for them internally. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that it really is one of those key things. And again, something that we found in this report was that when you're really putting and, you know, thinking about that company culture that you're promoting, you know, and making sure people feel like they're safe and that they're taking this job and they don't have to worry about what's going to happen to it tomorrow and they're feeling satisfied, they're not going to look for jobs as much. Yeah. We saw in the glass door data in particular that there was a strong relationship that whenever employees said they were more and more satisfied with their jobs, that they were less likely to be out looking and applying for other jobs, which is yeah. kind of a, a little bit of a no duh. But again, as a, as a data person, it's always good to see that the data lines up with what you're seeing. When people are happy at their jobs, they're not out looking. They're more likely to be retained. And I, and I love that you pointed out really that whole internal movement and mobility and development 
of people within the company, because that's something that often really works towards that goal of making people happy and really promoting their well-being. Yeah. And Corey, it's a good point. I mean, reminders are good, right? It's good to get a reminder here and there that, and I think often, if at all possible at an organization, pull that talent in, don't, don't push it out. And I know sometimes that's just not a possibility, uh, but it is a reminder that just letting that talent go right away is, is not always, you know, the best option for the, for that long tail strategy. Look, Corey, um, let me ask you, if you're going to write a book uh, about all of the things that are going on today, the things that you're seeing and the work that you're doing, what, what do you think the title uh, of that book would be? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a, yeah, this is always a, a hard, tricky question because uh, it's one of those things I do a lot of writing. So I have a lot of different actual book ideas where I'm like, man, that would be really, really cool to write. So I guess my, my answer would kind of uh, deviate just a little bit from, from the prompt in that one of the things I've always thought that is really interesting and this, this probably comes, so I'm based in Utah. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm one of those uh, workers who's benefited from remote work. So I, I get to work from home and in my basement. Uh, but one of the things I think that's really interesting is I feel like the kind of recessions and the economic challenges are often talked about at a really national level, right? We always look at it from the perspective of the United States, but we mm -hmm. don't always dive in and really look at what the impact of these things are on kind of more of the local communities. And so one of the things I've always been really interested in, um, in particular, was the impact of some of the different recessions in Utah in particular. Um, and I think it would be really interesting to kind of look at that across a lot of different states and a lot of different locales as well, because some of the information we do have that we can read from different accounts and journals from that time, you just, you get the picture of a really interesting economy where people were protesting at city hall and they were had had fire hoses turned on them because unemployment rate was at almost 48 or was at 38 percent or something mm -hmm. so the unemployment rate was super high and there were laws passed where women were required to resign from their jobs so that the men could have the jobs during the, yep. the great uh you know during the great depression and so i just think it's really interesting again that we talk about these things so i guess as far as the title of my book, it would probably be something really boring, you know, something that like an economist data person would write something about, you know, the, the impact of uh, economic crises on local areas or something. But, uh, but I think that's something that I've always found interesting. The, the geographic questions of economics have been always been really interesting to me. I love it. I love it. Well, Corey, I'm going to ask you a secondary question. Who would you give the first signed copy to? Oh man, the first signed copy. That is a great question. I honestly, th this might seem a little bit, uh, a little bit cheesy, but I would probably actually give it to my dad. Um, and that's because my dad is, is a historian. So a little bit of my, my love of oh. history has kind of bled through, uh, you know, from my dad, you know, that he's kind of given me a little bit of that. Um, so that would probably be my first signed copy would actually be to my dad. So right, he'd probably go, he's the, yeah, he's probably the type that would go out and buy like a hundred copies that one handed out to his friends at work. So he would probably beat me to it. Yeah, I got a dad like that. It's great. Good for you. I love it. I love Good it. Stuff. I love him. Well, look, since we've got the feels, uh, let me jump right in. I want to share something too. Uh, well, first, I want to say, Corey, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Much gratitude for you jumping in with us today. We appreciate your time. Uh, the report, again, hiringlab.org for anybody who wants to go out and grab that. Uh, and of course, we threw the uh, the LinkedIn uh, URL up for to Corey so you can connect with him directly. But I want to remind everybody too, uh, before we cut the line here, 
uh, again about the jobs. And I just want to share, let me see if I can pull this up on the screen really quickly. There we go. I just want to share this really quickly. So this is it's cxr.org slash jobs. And I want to show you a snapshot of what's going on this morning. We've got a map out there to show where a lot of these jobs are. Several of them are remote, but you can take a look. Uh, Amazon's recruiting. Uh, we've got a job here with Viad Talent. We've got Bass Pro Shops has a new executive recruiter role posted. Uh, Roche has a TA partner and HRTA intern over at Lockheed. Uh, Disney has a talent acquisition coordinator. Uh, you've got all kinds of roles that are sitting out here. It's cxr.works slash jobs. It's super easy to find. You can share that link anywhere. I encourage you to do that. Again, if it's not you that has been displaced, I guarantee if you're a recruiting professional, there's somebody in your network who's been hit. Uh, so please share that forward. Again, Corey, I want to say thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to be keeping an eye on you. We're going to invite you back. It's good to have you on. You're fun to talk to. Uh, and watch out for those crowds uh, during the shopping season. Will do. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Hang in there. Have a great week. Will do. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.